The world is like a ride at an amusement park. And when you choose to go on it, you think it's real, because that's how powerful our minds are. I can tell you from experience, the effect you have on others is the most valuable currency there is. Don't think. Feel. It is like a finger pointing away to the moon. Don't concentrate on the finger or you will miss all that heavenly glory. You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Hey brothers, welcome back to the Liberation Mentor Show. I'm your host, Nick Gregoratis. And today's episode is a very important one. There's just no other way for me to put it. I would say it's probably the most important thing I've ever put out there when it comes to all my work. I heard an expression recently, which was, show me your friends and I'll show you your psychoses, which I thought was fascinating and made me reflect for a long time. And I think there's an even more powerful saying that is similar, which is very specific to a man which is show me the relationship with your father and I'll show you your psychoses or I'll show you your issues. And today's one, as I said, is really important because not many of us have great relationships with our parents or our, our fathers in particular. I think that's, that's actually the root cause of anyone, any man who's looking to change or develop very often or grow or evolve very often at the root of it is an issue he had with his father. You know, in my previous career as a martial arts instructor and a professional fighter, that was one thing I realized is almost all of the best fighters had dad issues. It was the weirdest thing. They were all trying to prove something either consciously or subconsciously to their their father. And, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a big thing. You know, if you don't have a, a healthy relationship with your father it, as a man, that's a, it's a real big hole in your life that will cause negative things to happen. I really believe that unless you address it, unless you deal with it and face it. I've spoken about it at the beginning of one of my previous shows about how I made peace with my father and my relationship with him and how much it helped me and what a, a powerful thing that was, how much healing took place and how much better my life is because I did that. And listening to this story with with uh, our guest coming up, you're going to hear pretty much the worst example of a, a broken relationship between a man and his father that I've ever heard. And also one of the most powerful stories of breakthrough and coming to terms with that. You know, I have um, one of my private clients in particular, he has a, he's struggling to let go of something with his dad. And I'm really excited for him to listen to this because once you hear this, I think it's very difficult to be, to be angry with your dad for any of his failings no matter how bad they were. <laughs> I won't say any more. I won't um, spoil it. And I'll leave the rest of it up to our guest. I hope you guys enjoy this one. And if it helps you, please share it wherever you can. Hey guys, welcome back to the Liberation Mentor Podcast. I'm here with Eddie Kay, an absolutely amazing human being, someone who, to look at it, he's so understated and he's so humble, you would never realize just what's going on in that head of his, just how much complicated, intelligent wisdom is being generated within that, that brain. And I got to know Eddie several, uh, several months ago, and I just I, the, the minute I started to realize who he was, I was like, I got to have him on the show. So Eddie, thanks so much for coming on the show, brother. No, thank you. Um, that is the most extravagant uh, entrance that I could ever get. I, I really 
hope that I can live up to that, <laughs> my man. No, you you will for sure. So, Eddie, I think the best place to start with this conversation, the one that's going to help most of our listeners, well, help our listeners the most, is uh, if someone looks at you now from the outside, you are a pretty normal-seeming guy. I mean, once they get into a conversation with you, they realize your the hidden depths you have. But you know, you're a family man. You have a successful business. Your life is sorted. You've got everything sorted, and. I only found out through conversations we've had that it wasn't always the way, right? Like you came from an extremely shitty fucking background, if I'm honest. And I think you'll agree agree with me when I say that. And I'd love to hear a little bit more about if you just share the, your, your background with, with the listeners and, and more importantly, eventually how you escaped that and how you became the man you are today. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, let me see. So I, I grew up here um, in Arizona, Southern Arizona. I grew up with two parents that statistically were put together to fail. My father basically at the time was homeless. Um, He was traveling around in his truck. This was kind of like a period after the whole hippie thing had passed through. And my mom, the same thing. She basically was a runaway. I was the product of those two people being put together. And as a child, I directly went into homelessness. We never really had a home when I was very young, and, and when I say very young, I would say under five years old, we really just bounced around from home to home. And when we didn't have a home, the back of the truck had a camper shell, and that's where we lived. And from there, we ended up moving in with my grandparents here in Tucson. From there, we ended up moving into a small trailer, a mobile home, manufactured home, less than 700 square foot. Uh, we didn't have electricity. We didn't have water. We cooked outside in a, in a fire pit that we had for months until there was a period where each thing was eventually sorted out, basically. <laughs> At that time, I had already had a second brother. So they had a second child while also on the road um, in another state. We were brought back here basically as an act of desperation. And purchase price for this home and, and the land that we lived on was $5,000. It was realistically probably a gift from my grandparents to try and get my parents out. As a child, from that period to about 10 years old, we had a fairly normal childhood. As I perceived it back then, we were very, very, very poor. But at the same time, I had an active father and an active mother that were in my life. Both of them were dysfunctional in their ways. My father sold drugs, small-time petty drug dealer. He, he worked for a very minimum wage, low, laborious job. My mom didn't work. And we just lived life. My father ended up getting into drinking alcohol heavily. And that's where my life really changed. Okay. So there was a, there was a period where he was, you know, he had all these character flaws, but then he, he wasn't a big drinker. And then when he started drinking, it just suddenly it deteriorated rapidly. Just deteriorated rapidly. Basically, he went from like the dad that would take us fishing to the dad that would drink a 30 pack and pass out every night. God damn. By the time I was 10, 11 years old, I was mixing hard drinks for my mom and dad. My, my mom would have them every now and then. My dad drank until he passed out every night. Wow. I, I, I grew up around men like him my whole life. Violence, crime, 
the violence against women, violence against children. These were things that I witnessed not only in my home, but also in the community all around me. The weakness in men that led them to drink, to use drugs, filtered down generation after generation through their children, myself included. I never became an alcoholic. But at the same time, that's probably one of the things that saved me and got me out. It's just seeing, as, as a kid, seeing how shitty life was like that and just making a decision that you didn't want that to be your lot in life. Yeah, I mean, honestly, at about nine, 10 years old, I looked at the adult men around me and I knew they were weak. I knew they just had this weakness that they, they could not shake. Each one of them had some type of addiction, whether it be gambling, whether it be alcohol, whether it be hard drug use. And each one was constantly driven into it by a weakness of, of mental weakness. That's an interesting, that's a very interesting realization to have at such a young age, because, you know, if I think back to when I was around nine years old, the older men in my life, like I, I didn't have enough experience or understanding of psychology or, or just personality to, to be able to make that judgment on someone and say he's weak. You know, every, every older male in my, in my life was just like a hero to me because, you know, like I just, I did I couldn't make that characterization that they were weak. So I'm very interested as to how you, you were able to do that, how you were able to realize that something was wrong. Exposure. In my opinion, I think exposure for children is how we learn. Mm-hmm. Whatever you are exposed to throughout your life, you now understand that exists and also have some understanding of how it works. For me, I didn't grow up around any doctors, lawyers, business owners. I grew up around drug dealers, criminals, ex-cons, construction workers, Jeez. immigrant workers. I grew up around men who consistently beat women. They consistently were arrested. It was normal for fathers to go to jail and prison. Um, it was normal to have uh, you know, your brothers or uncles in prison. Each one of them, when they came out, it was like an education system for us. For, for the next generation, they, were, they, they thought they were almost giving us a gift by teaching us these things they had learned. I guess, Eddie, that's actually where my question comes in is, is if this was normal for you, how did you come to the realization that, no, it actually, it's weak and it's not right, if, if it was the normal for you? Yeah. So basically, I started looking at the men that were, in my eyes, successful. Mm-hmm. The successful ones didn't need to be a stand-up citizen, as most people think. I looked at men and said, okay, this man does not hit his wife. He does not beat his kids. Now, me, I, I grew up being beaten. So those two items right there were on the top. And the next things were the men, did they have a job or did they support their family? Were they an addict? Were they an alcoholic? Because I understood at a young age Whenever my dad used alcohol, he also got mad. Hmm. So I correlated those two things together. And then I started seeing, okay, well, the other men around me in this neighborhood, many of them, when they drink, many of them, when they do drugs, they commit violence or crime. Hmm. So I pieced the two together. I almost just made two separate groups, one that did that, and then a separate one. And I'll be honest, the two men that, that ended up being, I guess, role models both of them served long terms in prison. Both of them, one was convicted for alcohol, which I saw his weakness, but he was my hero. 
Wow. And the only reason is because he just took care of his family when he wasn't in prison. That's, that was a, that's the kind of standard we're looking at here. The guy, is, yeah. he, he doesn't beat his wife and he like puts food on the table and he's already a head, head and shoulders above all the other men in your life. That's like... He was a hero compared to my own father and compared wow. to most of the men I knew. Unbelievable. The second one, the same thing. He didn't beat his kids. He didn't beat his, his wife. Later in life, my dad died. He would come over and check on us. He would help my mom with small, small bits of money to just get by. Mm-hmm. This man went to prison for drugs for over a decade. Mm-hmm. When they got out, they imparted very extreme discipline upon me mm-hmm. and gave me a glimpse of just the fact that if you can control yourself, you're already more successful than everyone around you. Wow. What an amazing lesson. So I would look at my father and see him drunk or see him hit my mom or me, me and him getting a physical altercation. And I would say, yeah, he cannot control. Him. And I knew he had a weakness. I knew he could not control himself. At a young age, I started just basically at that age, I was using the simplest form of pattern recognition that I could find. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, I was literally just separating two. At a young age, I understood I needed to find that discipline in myself to be able to get away from that. Mm-hmm. When I was about 12, 13 years old, my dad ended up committing suicide in front of us right before Christmas while he was drunk. To me, at the time, I saw him dying and immediately was not surprised because this was not the first time he had threatened to kill himself. The depression that came with all the alcohol he was constantly consuming, he would magnify it each time he drank. Every small problem in his life became so overwhelming. And then when he wasn't drunk, it would all hit him again over and over in waves. And as a young kid, I knew I would see him in the mornings, I would see him at nights, And I would start to notice the patterns when he started drinking, the way he changed. And he ended up threatening many times to kill himself, all because he could not just rationalize right now. He was constantly living in the past or worrying about the future. And as a young kid, I could not understand that, but I could understand he was mentally weak. There was something that he could just not control himself. When he killed himself, at the time, I was upset. I was mad at this man. I felt like he took the easiest way out. He again let us down. I I had the shame of being very poor. I had the shame of having a father who was an alcoholic. He, he He was that dad who would show up and be a little bit disheveled. And he, he, he always looked like, you know, he had just taken a drink. He was the dad at the Boy Scouts camp that brought beer. You know, he was always that dad. So I had that shame. And now I had the shame that he couldn't even be a man and support us. And I was so upset at this guy. I mean, I kind of like, if I, if I may just, just throw chime in here, like, I mean, I, I can't even process what that childhood must have been like. It just, it's, to me, it's, it's almost unfathomable. I mean, my dad wasn't perfect and he made mistakes, but I mean, 
just hearing that it, it makes him sound like literally Captain America. It's it's yeah, Eddie. I'm really sorry you went through that, but but don't. That's my point in life. Before I was ten years old, Nick, I had gone and purchased weapons with my dad. I had gone and purchased drugs with my dad. When my youngest brother was born, Nick, here's a, a fantastic story. My dad went to the bar and got drunk and took us. And then he drove drunk home with us, passed out in the driveway. We went inside and it was so normal that we just heated up some food. We ate and then we brought food out to my dad's, my dad's car and left it for him. So in the morning when he woke up, he had food. And this wasn't the first time we had done that. I was probably nine years old at that time. Today, if I had not gone through that, I would not have the compassion for so many people that I do. You know, it's, it's good to have a fantastic life. And I don't, I, I, I don't have a, a rich and fabulous life, like jet-setting around the world. But, oh, my gosh, Nick, I've surpassed multiple generations of my family. You broke the cycle, right? You broke that cycle. That's, and, and if I did not grow up the way I did, I could not tell you about it and maybe help somebody else because there's a lot of people that don't break that cycle. When, when we were speaking, we, we, you told me a little bit about this um, at our last in-person meeting and what I shared with you that I really, I think it's a, it's a lesson that everyone listening can, can take away. You know, there's this idea that uh, so no one, no one really, very few of us grew up with the picture perfect childhood, right? Like, I mean, yours is the extreme example of a, of a really shitty childhood, right? But all of us have like, you know, either divorced or our parents didn't give us enough attention or there, there's something in our background that, you know, that, that some difficulty that, that shaped us. Right. And what I've realized is that those things are ultimately gifts because for example, let's say you grew up in um, the like uh, the textbook Brady Bunch household where everything's perfect, all your needs are met. You know, like you have a trust fund. It's literally everything's given to you on a silver platter. You, everything is just picture perfect, right? You can never have the satisfaction or the enjoyment of overcoming the difficulties, right? Because everything's just too easy. So for you even though you're, you know, you're a, you're a middle-class guy and you, you know, you've got like a good business and you're, you've got good credit and like your life's in order and everything's is great from the outside looking in the average person would see that and be like, okay, that guy's just normal. But to you, every day is a fucking gift based on what you went through, you know, that, that, that like you overcoming what, what you did has allowed you to not take anything for granted like the guy with the trust fund might do. I know I'm rambling a little bit here, but you get, you get the point I'm trying to make, right? Like those are, you've been given that gift ultimately by your father and your childhood, which is the ability to overcome and now enjoy just a normal life. It's such a privilege now to you. Would that, does that make sense? Would you agree that that's accurate? A hundred percent. Well, and a hundred percent. And from that day that I was upset to today, I'm not only different in the way that I view that man, but also because of the way I've been able to change, even talking to you last time, Nick, that helped me a ton. Just listening to somebody else say the same thing. Most people would tell me, you know, it wasn't your fault. That's the normal line. Or I'm sorry. A lot of people will not say 
the things that need to be said, like, hey, sometimes you have to forgive this man. Hmm. For me, I'm thankful to this man because if he did not give me life, I would not have met my wife. I would not have my beautiful daughter. And I wouldn't have great friends like you. He gave me one piece. Sometimes some people are given more pieces to the puzzle. Some people are given a few less. The ones that are given less pieces, when they complete that puzzle, Nick, Hmm. it is so much more valuable. That's a great, that's a much better way of putting it than I was, than than what I was doing. Like the puzzle analogy is is great. Yeah. If you, if like, let's say life's a thousand piece puzzle and you're given 950 pieces of it and you just have to pop in those last 50. Yeah. It's not the same as if you started with a box filled of, filled with like, um, you know, yes. jumbled peas. Yeah. What a great analogy. That's, that's wonderful. I really appreciate that. Yeah. Eddie, I mean, honestly, I am not, there's an expression that the, the British use. Um, they say blowing smoke up someone's ass, which is basically given, giving false compliments. And I can tell you honestly that I'm not blowing smoke up your ass. When I say to you that w- when I interact with you, I see you as a fully self-actualized real man. And, and, and I, it's, it's amazing. Like hearing, that's why when you first told me what you went through, it just blew my fucking mind. I was like, by all, by all measures, this guy should be in a gutter somewhere with a needle in his arm. I mean, seeing your dad kill himself in front of you before Christmas as a kid, I mean, that would have broken a lesser human being. It really would have. And I, I truly hope you give yourself credit for, for overcoming. I, I truly do. Brother, that's only half the story. <laughs> Let's hear the other half. So this is the funnier part. That right there is a great example of perspective. When my father died, I thought that was probably the hardest thing in my life. I didn't realize that I had now to become a man. So at 13 years old, I was now a man. Over the next just couple years, I ended up becoming homeless again. My mom met another man this time even more of a loser jesus christ at 16 years old i was the only person in the the home working i was working and selling drugs to be able to afford life help my mom when she needed it be able to purchase the items i needed to live we had been taken to the a, a different side of the country and For about four months, we ended up living in a tent next to a river because this guy took us there and his truck got repoed, Nick. And I got to live for four months in a tent next to a river and bathe in a river with no toilet. I did not have the surplus of food that many people today would consider normal. Each one of those items when you have nothing and you only have a few small items or luxuries in life, like toothpaste or maybe a magazine, when that's all you have, you appreciate it so much more. Hmm. Each item that I got, to me, I appreciated just a little bit more throughout life. By the time I was 17, I was living on my own. You left, you decided it was too much. Or you just, it was time to strike out on your own, which I, I can understand. And then what, how, where did your life go from there? No. So, yeah. So uh, 
basically what happened is, is me and my mom's boyfriend at the time got in a physical altercation. He gave her an ultimatum of pick him or me. She chose him and she kicked me out. That, that was the gist of that. So when I left, um, there was nobody in the house uh, any longer working. And it, it had already been a welfare home, but now it's a completely welfare home. At 17 years old, I moved out. By the time I was 18, I had a, a small place. I was paying rent. I had, a, I had three jobs. I was still selling drugs, trying to pay these bills. But I had already surpassed every other person in my family in, as far as success. None of them had a job. None of them went to school. None of them did any of these things. At that time, the, I mean, as far as my mom and her boyfriend, these are the people I should have been looking at as role models. It was more the discipline that I had to establish from a young age that drove me past. I tied it to things that were repetitive. Uh, for me, it was I started working out at 13. And I would just do huge amounts of push-ups in the hall. I would go outside. I would do whatever I could, Nick. I was driving myself crazy with aggression. I hated the whole world my whole life. I was just mad. Yeah. And rightfully so. Well, and... <laughs> So I did like most men and I channeled that aggression through a physical activity. I had developed similar to OCD. I had developed over time because of the lack of having items. I now growing up in a house that had been robbed multiple times. I now had this fear of loss. So OCD became in there. So pattern recognition, OCD, the, these things today, I understand a little bit more about at the time. My man, I just was running around in circles. But still, those circles were still a level up from where you'd come from. Basically, growing up in, in, a, in certain neighborhoods uh, stricken by poverty, uh, I grew up, I had, would be challenged by other guys. I mean, these are young guys growing up the same way as me, having fathers. They were horrible role models. Mm -hmm. So... The one thing that demanded a little bit of respect was a little bit of physical ability. I didn't have a, a dad. My mom wasn't going to do anything. I had three brothers. And by the time my mom's boyfriend left, I had three sisters. And again, I was the head of household paying many things that I shouldn't have been doing and babysitting and taking care of kids. And it was more than I, I should have been able to do, but it was normal. So you, you got out, like, out of that particular environment because your mom chose the boyfriend instead of you. And you kind of sort of, you know, increased your standard of living because you were working and you had an apartment and you were kind of like starting to have a little bit of material success. I mean, success is probably a strong word, but you were definitely a few levels up. But still, there, there were these demons that were haunting you, right? Like you were selling drugs, you were kind of feeling a lot of aggression. I guess for me, I'm, I'm interested to know what was the turning point? What was the point where you, where you realized, okay, like I'm, I'm not mentally healthy because of what I went through and, and what I need to do to go to the next level? Like, well, I'm, I'm very interested in that, like that come to Jesus kind of moment. You know, um, it, I'll be honest, most of my life I was probably confused. I met my wife uh, 17 years ago and man, her dad, 
had a job. This guy was a great guy. He was awesome. Her mom was awesome. They had a stable family. They weren't alcoholics. They weren't drug addicts. They both held jobs. They were both educated. To me, I had never witnessed that. So for me, I not only immediately was drawn to it, but also at the same time, I started asking myself, well, why didn't I get that? And what can I do to get that? What can I do to be normal? That led me down the last 17 years of trying to really break down myself in a lot of ways and start asking myself some important questions. Hmm. I ended up having a daughter, my amazing daughter, who is now seven years old. That taught me amazing emotional connection to humans. And I started to feel differently about what we are here to do as humans. Watching my daughter grow up, I started realizing we could learn much more than we think we can. And I ended up, I'd like to parlay into to working with some flow state. Yeah, of course. Throughout my life, we didn't have access to painkillers and common items like this throughout my life very often. So every time that I had injuries, I would have to go through these pains, aches. I had multiple injuries and that were untreated. I went through a couple surgeries. The last one was a turning point in the way that I perceived my ability to understand myself mentally. I had been looking at pattern recognition because at the time I was, I was involved in some teaching with kids and I was trying to look for more efficient ways for people to learn. So I started researching in the pattern recognition. I'd already been playing with that, playing with games of, of pattern like chess, so on like that. When I had my surgery on my knee, I went through an extremely hard time because I told myself I was not taking painkillers again, ever. Because of previous addiction issues or previous drug issues? I had never been addicted, but I had sold those drugs, Nick, so I saw what they did to people's lives. Oh, I see, yeah. One time, I ended up taking a couple of these pills, and I flatlined. God damn. I was taken to a hospital. They classified me as, as a suicide, uh, or a suicide attempt. I, at the time, in my head, I was, I was confused. I was telling people, I didn't try to kill myself. Why would I do that? For me, I had told myself, I'm going to take these pills because I'm stressed out and I'm going to give in and do this. I had no idea because I had never taken these drugs myself how strong they were. Mm. I ended up flatlining. Yeah. Okay. So I, I get it. So you, you had a, a very strong caution or wariness of, of any sort of painkillers or, or like... Uh, yeah, pain medication. So that's why you decided when you had this knee injury that you weren't going to take it. And then you had to find a different way of dealing with that pain. I, and, and so what I basically did was I just told myself, this is going to be something I have to live with. Through the understanding that it was going to hurt, through the understanding that I needed to, to push through this, that's what I think the last trigger I really needed to, that, that I needed was compassion. Hmm. Many times when I would see people and, and here's a great example. Many times when I would see people where they maybe had a brace or a crutch, I didn't feel any empathy for these people. 
I, I saw them almost as a hindrance. When I went through it myself and I actually had to feel the pain of this, that compassion pushed me to a different level. Instead of feeling the pain, I got to a point where the pain just disappeared. I had almost stopped feeling the pain. Now, I know I should have felt pain mm -hmm. because this was only maybe about 12 hours after the surgery. But instead, the next day I woke up at 5 o'clock in the morning and I went to work. And I never took a day off. And I walked j just under 20 miles that week. What? I had gotten to a point where I had found the last trigger. I was already using caffeine throughout my day like normal. In the knee surgery, I told myself, you know what, I'm going to try some CBD oil. So I tried that. And it helped okay. I, I ended up getting CBD with uh, marijuana in it. That took the pain away. But I asked myself, it only takes this pain away for about 20 minutes. Hmm. So I can't rely on it. And then I started looking up different ways. I ended up stumbling upon, maybe I can make this work mentally. Hmm. Breathing, caffeine, and the marijuana inadvertently, I started hitting flow states. They weren't long, but I'd say about 30 to 45 minutes. I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty long to be in a flow state, man. A lot of people that go their whole lives without, without getting to a 30, 35-minute flow state. That's impressive. For me also, I think maybe one of the things that helps me is I work a repetitive job. Hmm. I do repetitive exercise daily. I ended up adding in a few different triggers and it happened. I didn't know what it was. I was actually scared. I thought I was losing my mind. It's interesting. You, it's interesting. You use that particular expression, losing my mind, because, you know, that actually is, that's the, that's the goal. You want to lose your mind because your mind is what is getting in the fucking way, dude. Like your mind is that, that chattering or at least a part of your mind, the monkey mind that's constantly narrating everything and giving you judge or making judgments on everything that's occurring in your life. You want to lose that part of you because it, it generally doesn't help. No. <laughs> today, today, my man, like the way that I feel when I enter flow state, where I can shut off now, where I can control time, where I can control my perception of time, and I can look back through a filing cabinet of past interactions and I can go through almost analyzing moments in my life and asking, is this a positive interaction? Is this a negative interaction? Which one do I want it to be? Look, being able to look at my father and being so mad, so mad my whole life and then be able to go back and analyze it, which for me was huge. My brain had almost shut off a period of about two to three years. I just didn't have feeling during that time, but only because I didn't remember most of that time, Nick. Yeah, as a protection mechanism, obviously your, your, your system just kind of shut down, right? I totally, that makes total sense to me. And building up anger constantly, almost not understanding why. Now being able to go back I was able to go back, look at an event like my father's death, analyze it, say this was a tragic event. But 
my mother is better off today. Myself and my brothers are better off today. Mm-hmm. Even my sisters, which were not related to him by blood, are better off today because he's not here. We didn't become alcoholics. We didn't go to prison. We didn't end up drug addicts. If we had all been raised until adulthood by a man who was an alcoholic, who also had criminal tendencies and was violent, none of us would have succeeded anywhere in life. All three of my sisters, they all attend a university, all of them amazing. Myself and my brothers, we all have our own businesses. That's incredible. We're all happy with with our partner. Yeah, you broke you broke the cycle. You broke it's like we said in the conversation that when when you and I were um in person, the this the Bible says the sins of the father shall be visited upon the I think it's a sixth or seventh generation. And it's it is, man. It really is just a cycle that keeps playing out. That's something that it hit me a few years ago. I just realized I had my own understanding that if I didn't break the cycle that was in the, that male line in my family, I was going to end up making the same mistakes my dad made and in the same set of circumstances that he ended up in. And in fact, I, I always bring the conversation somehow back to ayahuasca, but it was an ayahuasca experience that showed me. It said, this is what happens unless you break the cycle. Right. And I'm just so happy that you broke that cycle, Eddie. And it's, I think it's really important to, to also realize that it's what you've done is not easy, right? I mean, you, you've sure you're giving a lot of credit to the circumstances and them forcing you to, to step up and, and change your ways and everything, but also, you know, a lesser human being would have, would have just gone the other way. Right. And, and I, I really, I really hope you give yourself credit for what you've done, man, because it's, it's profound. It really is profound. I definitely, I definitely would not be in your shoes if I had gone through what you went through. I would have, <laughs> God, God knows what would have happened to me. But like, I, I just really want you to know that I respect what the man you've become. Truly, that means a lot, Nick. Just to hear somebody like yourself. I mean, I've always valued your opinions. Thank you, brother. I, I want to hear so a little bit more about the flow state, which is yeah. When we spoke about this before, I don't quite know if I've experienced the same thing, but there definitely are periods of my life where everything is flowing really well and I'm I'm very happy and or happier than usual and everything is framed through a positive lens and I just seem to everything just works better. There's no other way to put it. Is that is that what you're talking about? Is that what the flow state means to you? Well um twofold. So for for myself, you know me. I am the type of person who one researches and analyzes far too much. (laughs) And two, I have a background in PEDs. Mm -hmm. Well, immediately when I, when I had started experiencing flow, I was scared. Once I realized that I was starting to hit these periods and actually analyze my life and make positive effects. And that was the side effect of it. I wanted more of that. Yeah, I actively started trying to hit flow state, which I didn't call flow state. I used to call it the matrix. <laughs> but I used to tell people like, at night, guys, I go to the matrix. And they would laugh and they giggle. And I'd be like, I wish I could laugh too, because I think I'm a little crazy. <laughs> really? Yeah. I would go through these periods throughout the week where I started establishing patterns. 
I started actively trying to to encourage myself to hit flow. So throughout my day, my days from day to day, Monday through Friday, are almost exactly the same every week. And it's been that way for over a decade. So for me, I, I almost could zone out, if you will. I started hitting flow state as far as just like you're saying, like a positive flow throughout your day. Things are happening. Things are happening correctly. You're, you're not hitting those weird problems. You're not having those altercations. I think that was the result for me of just changing the way I view people. I started looking at them with compassion and asking myself, if I was in their shoes, what would be the, the case? If someone cut me off in traffic, well, I've done that too. Why, why am I going to get mad at them? Yeah, no, I think so. So you, you're saying basically it's a it's a state of existence that's characterized by very little friction, right, or or, or less yeah. of the friction that that normal life usually contains. I would say it's similar to like in many Eastern countries, the way that they they perfect life, they try and find flow in life. Mm-hmm. That was my practice. So what I would do is use triggers like audio triggers to start triggering myself into flow repetitively throughout the day, building a pattern. And then my days started going smoother. Mm. Then I could get into periods where I was working and my concentration, the ability to focus on the exact second, that started magnifying. For instance, Mm. I use a, a saw at work, a circular saw that spins at very high speed. Mm -hmm. When using it, I started being able to stare at the blade and see the blade slow down. Amazing. And then speed up if I started getting a little bit too greedy in my head and almost bragging to myself saying, you're doing it, you're doing it. Uh-huh. I would automatically drop out. I knew there was a process. I just couldn't find it yet. At night, after my wife is in bed, after my daughter's in bed, I would use a little bit of sativa about uh, two hours before bed. Mm-hmm. And then I would go in and use things like stretching, meditation, yoga, foam rolling in a dark room using audio triggers. And I would start hitting flow for long periods of time, Nick. It's just so interesting because I've, I've kind of, I, I've stumbled upon a similar thing, but I came at it from a different direction. For, for me, what I found interesting was I found the opposite of the flow state, which is I I started to notice that there were certain times when I was very much in my own head uh, and having that fucking little chattering voice, that negative voice commentating that we've all experienced. I would find that life would actually generally not be good and and negative things would happen. Like, you know, it it sounds like it might be hard to believe, but I I noticed and I still get into that state sometimes. It's it's much less frequent than it used to be. But I'll notice when I'm get when I'm in that state, little things will happen like I'll be clumsy, like I'll bump into stuff, or or like I'll put my bank my my debit card in the in the reader at the store and it, it won't work. Or like little negative things will like it's just the opposite of when I, I use the word frictionless. Like if you just flow through life, the opposite would, would happen to me. I'd start noticing that it I remember it's a, the Man, the, I give a, an example sometimes when I'm describing this is I was I was teaching a jiu-jitsu lesson about two years ago, a private lesson. 
And I remember I was sparring with this. I mean, to be fair, he was a bit of a, a spaz, the guy, like he was not very in control of himself and he was, you know, wasn't a great student by any level, but up until that point, the lesson had been progressing reasonably well. And then I got in my head and I started thinking about something completely unrelated to the lesson. And it was a complaint. It was like, I, I was comparing myself to someone else and being angry. And as that happened, literally the second that happened, I got injured. It was the weirdest thing. Like the, the second I'd lost presence and I started judging and thinking of something else and being negative about something, this guy did something that yes. injured me. And to this day, I still look at that as a, as a powerful gift from the universe because that woke me up. That really, that, to me, it was way beyond coincidence. Like that was one of those moments in life where I was given this very clear lesson that like these, these things are correlated. When you go to that place in your mind, bad shit happens. Right? Yes. Like, and so yes. what I started to, what I realized is that, okay, if there's a place in my mind that's characterized by friction and negative circumstances and just feeling like shit, there must be a place in my mind that's correlated to the opposite, right? Yes. And so yes. that really made me focus, double down on, on meditation and, and cultivating these, these positive states of mind, which I think, I think that's what you, you've basically stumbled upon is you've stumbled upon like, I don't know if you'd call it samadhi or there's, there's certain, you know, like Vedic terms in, in, or terms in yoga to describe where you're at, but yeah, they, they do exist. And it's a, it's definitely a better experience when you can get there. Right. Like, so I'm really happy that you found that. Well, for me, what I'm using is the actual compassion. I completely understand exactly the, the experience you're talking about. One of the things I love to do, Nick, is I love to ride my skateboard. Mm -hmm. I love to ride my skateboard at night. So I'll ride through pitch black at night. And one of the things that I've noticed, and I know it sounds very similar to, to the story. It's a very, it's almost like you're, you're describing magic. It's a very <laughs> confusing thing for people. They, they almost feel like you're a hippie or, or you're out of your mind. And that's mm -hmm. why I consistently use that phrase, but I'll be riding it and I will hit states where I no longer realizing i'm riding that skateboard i'm no longer in myself as far as being present and i'll start to look back ask myself things one of the things i notice is the same thing if i if my if my self-talk when i'm talking to myself through these things if i tell myself a lie or I impart a false ego or if i get greedy if i get cocky nick it'll immediately cause a negative issue. I'll hit a rock. I'll stumble yeah. off my board. Wild. Yeah. I can, I can totally believe that. And, and riding in the dark, this is why I, I, I've talked to people about this. When you ride a skateboard in the daytime, you see the rocks. At night, you can't see them. Hmm. So you can ride through a path completely positive completely with compassion for other people, completely thinking of how can I positively impact my life? How can I positively impact other people around me? How can I show compassion to the ones that I love and the ones that I don't even know? Hmm. I can stay in a positive, deep state there. But the second that I think about negative greed, if I think about jealousy, if I think about I'm mad at someone, if I think about myself being better than someone, if mm. I think about myself in a position of hierarchy, I'm automatically kicked out. 
I'm already, I'm, I'm, I'm kicked out from that, that land, if you will. Yeah. Because that land, that land or that place is incompatible with those low vibrations. Yes. Right? Yes. It's just, it's just not, it's, it's like, it's almost like the bouncer comes along and says, no, no, bro, yes. you're not supposed to be here. If you, if you like that, you can't be here. It's that negativity. Yeah. Wow. You've really, you've really like opened up something in my mind. That's, that's fascinating. And, and that vibration is perfect. Vibration is perfect. That. The, the waves of our brain dropping through different states. You cannot be thinking of a negative thought which requires a high wave and also be trying to exist in a state of low wave. Yeah. So for so me, relaxation, true. these triggers, that gets me into a low wave state. I start dropping through those states. I start hitting my flow. I start hitting that alpha. As soon as I'm relaxing and time goes away, okay, I know this alpha is hitting. Then I start losing the consciousness of my vision, the music in my ears or the pink noise that I listen to. If I listen to neural beats, it goes away. And I almost exist without noise, without sight, without person, without being. I'm floating in nothing, but I don't understand it. And at the same time, it's the happiest place I've been. And then I either do two, two things. I either ask myself a question that benefits someone else. Or I ask myself in, in, in a grateful manner, I say, I'm ready to just learn something today. I will learn whatever I need to learn. And if I do one of those two things, I will drop into states where I start, I start teaching myself things that I don't understand or, or that I perceive that I don't understand. I'll start looking back. Basically, stuff that comes from, comes from another place, you mean from like a higher source? Is that, is that what you... It's, it's the only way that I can, and, and can describe it. I mean, I, I, some of these things that I've learned, that I've, I've taught myself, I didn't do them previously. I wasn't exposed to them previously. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So the only thing is, is, is it a subconscious stored file? If it is, well, I want to see more of them. Yeah, hell yeah. I want to see them all. It's, <laughs> it's, you know, I believe our brain is, is like, I, 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 I talked about uh, Indiana Jones. And at the Indiana Jones, they put the treasure into a huge hall full of other treasures. Like, that's where I want to be. I want to hang yeah. out there for a while. Sure. And, you know, I, I do believe that, um, I mean, my previous guest, uh, he, he, he discussed some, something similar. He literally described going through a kind of a similar process to you. And I asked him the question, I said, do you think that that state is, do you think human beings are designed to be in that state all the time? Or is it just delusional to believe that we could, we could live feeling that way all the time and he was convinced that yeah we're actually supposed to feel that way all the time and i really believe that's true because fuck it's it's so much better than ordinary or our default consciousness or the one that we've been led to believe is our default state of consciousness and everything or almost everything i do in my life is also designed to get me to move through the world in that state as opposed to the other one that i spoke to the opposite like the the kind of egoic sort of stuck in your your own head or negative kind of place Eddie, my, my man that's that's an hour almost an hour gone and and um you know i could literally talk to you about this forever i'm sure we'll have you on the show again because you you, you definitely tapped into something and you have a, a very powerful way of describing it and and also your story is incredibly powerful and i just want to thank you 
from the bottom of my heart for, for sharing not only your story, but also this, this newfound wisdom that you stumbled upon. Before you go, I would, I would ask you to share with the, the listeners, someone listening and becoming intrigued by what you've described, where would you tell them to start if they wanted to get to find out more about flow states and, and or what practice would you tell them to do to facilitate entering into that flow state? For someone just starting, I would tell you, one, open your mind to different possibilities. Your perspective of today is a learned perspective. Oh, go into this with an open mind and you'll automatically leapfrog against most people because most people enter into this, like myself, where I did not think this was normal. You're normal if you can do this. Everyone should be able to do this. It takes certain traits. Do a little reading. People can contact me. I'd love to talk to everybody about this. And I can talk for hours. So anybody can hit me up. Uh-huh. And if they, if they want to hit you up, what, what, what should they do? Just get a hold of me through Instagram. Uh, the Real Eddie K on Instagram. DM me. Find me on there. I talk about this stuff. I put it out there as much as I can. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> and you talk well about it too. Eddie, my man, uh, I, I cannot wait for the day you and I enter the flow state together, whether it's through something like ayahuasca or skateboarding or jujitsu or whatever, uh, and, and meeting and having a conversation on that level. I think that's going to be a truly special day. And I, once again, thank you so much for your time, brother. It, it really means a lot to me. Thank you, Nick. Always, my man. Always. Thank you. You know, that show was actually only supposed to come out three weeks from now. I recorded three shows ahead of it. But it was just so special. And what Eddie shared was just so powerful that I just, I bumped it up. And because I just wanted to get out, I wanted to get it out there. What a man, right? What an incredible example of taking a shitty set of circumstances and turning them around. And I think, I mean, I'm sure there are some of you out there that are listening to this that have had circumstances that were that bad, but not many, not many of us have, let's be honest. Not many of us were nine years old at Christmas and saw our dads kill kill themselves. And if Eddie could do that, if he could come back from such a shitty fucking hand of cards, then none of us have any excuses to not go and do great things. So I hope you guys enjoyed that show. I just wanted to share something else with you. Uh, I've started a, a mastermind group, which is basically a, a group coaching forum that I've created. And... Um, some of you I know wanted to do coaching, but truth be told, there's just no other way to put it. My coaching is pretty expensive. This might be an easier way for you to, to get um, involved with my work is by joining the mastermind group. If you're interested in that, the best thing to do is send me a message, which is the best email you can use is uh, nick at liberationmentor.com. That's N-I-C at liberationmentor.com. And we'll see if it's a good fit for you. And if it is, we'll, we'll get you started in the group. It's a lot of fun. We're all raising our games collectively and sharing wisdom. And it's it's really something special. I, I think um, anyone who joins it really gets a lot of value out of it. Also, if you can, if you're enjoying the show, uh, please leave a review on iTunes. It really means a lot to me. And also, if you're getting something out of the show, just share it. Just um, maybe take a screenshot of the, the show that's playing within your podcast app, whether it's on Apple or Google, and then just share that on Insta or your social and see how much you enjoyed it. And that does wonders for for me and for my brand and getting the message out there. 
Cool guys. Well, I don't know how I'm going to top that one because Eddie really um, hit it out of the park, but uh, I'll do my best. See you guys next week. Mm-hmm.